first reading is um, Exodus chapter 35, verses 1 to chapter 36, verse 7. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts and bases. The ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it. The table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence. The lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light. The altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. The curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering and its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils. The bronze basin with its stand. The curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases. And the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewellery of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had purple, blue or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat hair, ramskins dyed red or other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of bronze or silver brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. 
All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord, through Moses, had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezael, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel and Ahiliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Ahiliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelite had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because what they already had was more than enough to do the work. This is God's word. The second reading is Exodus starting at verse 39, uh, chapter 39, verse 42, uh, to chapter 40, verse 38. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant law and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. 
Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so that he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father, so that they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the law commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain and set out the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. This is God's word. Thanks very much, Judith, for reading those passages um, to us. Let me have my welcome to Pete. It's great to see you here. My name is Mark. I'm one of the ministers, and a particular warm welcome if you're joining us here at Inspire for the first time. We're thrilled to have you with us today. Please do keep your Bibles open there on page, well, flip back to page 94. Uh, as we come to the end of our sermon series in the book of Exodus, that's chapters 35 to 40. And what a transformation, what a change 
in the people of God from last week. If you weren't here with us last week, we saw God's people disobedient, prone to evil, stiff-necked, the incident of the golden calf, one of the worst sins in their history, as they were very quick to turn from the Lord, turn from his commands, turn to idolatry. And yet this week, today, in this passage, what a turnaround. These two repeated phrases keep coming up in these final chapters of the book of Exodus. All who were willing, all who were willing, everyone who was willing, gave to the construction of the tabernacle. And they built it, just as the Lord commanded, just as the Lord commanded, just as the Lord commanded. A dramatic turnaround in the people of God. From outright disobedience to wholehearted devotion to the Lord. From one of the worst sins in their history to now serving the Lord willfully from the heart. And you read this through from the first time, you're thinking, what has happened? Where has this change come from? How is that even possible? People spend thousands of pounds seeing psychologists, psychiatrists wanting to get this sort of change. And this is what the Lord's bringing about in his people. How do we get some of that change in our lives? Wherever you come from today, we are all in need of change. None of us is where the Lord wants us to be. We're doing the Real Change course on Wednesdays at the moment, precisely for this. So we can turn and be set free from negative patterns of thought and behavior and be more loving, joyful, peaceful friends and workers, spouses, parents. But where does the change come from? We've been talking recently about partnership, signing up to be partners in the work here, which will mean praying for the work, which will mean using your gifts to serve at church, giving financially to the work. And maybe you've signed up for that, and that's wonderful, but deep down, perhaps some of us here feel, well, no, realize our heart is not exactly where it should be with this. Not so willing. How do we move? How are our hearts moved from where we currently are to where the Lord wants them to be? That's what these final chapters of the book of Exodus are about. Uh, two things we're going to see. The change the Lord wants and the change God brings about. Firstly, the change God wants. Two parts to this. He wants willing hearts. And he wants obedient hearts. We'll start with willing hearts. We'll spend most of our time on this first point. First, willing hearts. This is chapter 35. This is page 94. And this is verse 4, if you want to look down there. Let me read verse 4 of chapter 35 to us. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, and yarn, and linen, and goat's hair, and leather, and wood, and oil, and spices, and verse 9, jewels for the priest's clothing. Here is Moses passing on 
to the people the instructions that the Lord had given him up the mountain for the construction of the tabernacle. And the people are to bring these uh, materials as an offering to the Lord. But did you see? They're only to do so if they want to, if they are willing. Because the Lord never wants us to give to him reluctantly or out of compulsion, but because we want to. Imagine you get someone a present for their birthday, a friend. They say, oh, you shouldn't have. And you say, yeah, I didn't really want to, but I thought I'd better because it's your birthday and it was the dumb thing. That wouldn't go down very well, right? Nor does it with the Lord. He doesn't want us giving to him because we think we have to. Out of compulsion, reluctantly, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, not a grumpy one. Verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. Verse 22. All who were willing, men and women alike. Verse 26, and all the women who were willing. Verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing. And on it goes. Why? Because the Lord is looking for willing hearts. Hearts that want to give to him. And not just give to him, but also to serve him. Chapter 36, verse 2. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person. And the craftsmen, the designers, the carpenters, jewelers, engravers, embroiderers, weavers. Um, every skilled person to construct the tabernacle. Notice, to whom the Lord had given ability, verse 2 and who was willing to come and do the work. Do you see? God wants willing hearts, hearts that want to serve him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. I don't know if you've been following the Neymar story. Neymar is the most expensive football player in the world. PSG paid £200 million to Barcelona for him. Uh, but since he has been with them at the start of the season, he's fallen out with the manager. He's fallen out with fellow teammates. He's already flirting with other clubs like Man City and Real Madrid to move to there this summer. He has served the team quite well. He's scored 29 goals in 30 matches. But it doesn't feel like his heart's in it. It feels like he's only in it for the money doesn't really want to be there, just has to be there. And the fans and his teammates are pretty unimpressed. Do we think it is any different with the Lord? When we serve him, but our hearts aren't in it. The Lord wants willing hearts, not reluctant ones. I think it's worth us pausing here for a moment to examine our own hearts. 
for those of you who are giving. We give thanks to God for you. For those who are serving, we give thanks to God for you. But are you doing so out of compulsion, because you feel you have to, because it is the done thing, or because you want to? Give to the Lord and serve the Lord. Some of you here might not be giving or serving at all. There might be some very good reasons for that. This might be your first time here. Thanks for being pleased to be our guest. It's great to have you here. Some of you might be absolutely worn out and exhausted from serving. You just, you just need to be fed and you just need to receive for a while. Totally understandable. But if you've been here for a while, if you're a committed regular and you are not giving financially at all, if you are not serving at all, well, there is something wrong. Because we can clearly see that the Lord wants willing hearts that give to him, that serve him, give financially to the church, serve at church. But can I ask if that is you, what are you going to do about it? Will you pray into that? Over the Easter break, will you review your finances before the Lord? Serving, will you identify your gifts? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Will you think very carefully with the Lord how best you can use them to serve one another and build us up here? Because that is what the Lord wants. My prayer is that we would end up like the Lord's people in verse 5 of chapter 36. Just look at this, top of page 95. The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Now, can you imagine that? Imagine if that was the case here. We're all just flooding down to give money to the basket here, if you give in that way. And the steward's just restraining you and holding you back. And our treasurer, Tim, coming up to the front. Mark, Pete, will you tell the people to stop giving? We've got more than enough for the work of ministry. Can you imagine that? You probably can't imagine that. And yet this is what the Lord What part are we going to play in it? Well, if that's the first thing, the change God wants, willing hearts, he also wants obedient hearts. In verse 8 of chapter 36, the people who were skilled among the workers, they start now constructing the tabernacle with all the materials that have been brought. And they also construct the objects that go into the tabernacle Chapter 37, the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altar of incense. Chapter 38, the altar of burnt offering, the basin, the courtyard. Chapter 39, the priestly garments. Now, notice the repeated phrase that keeps coming up in this section. Chapter 39, end of verse 1, page 98. End of verse 1 there. As the Lord commanded Moses. Glance down to the end of verse 5. 
bottom of the page, as the Lord commanded Moses. And the end of verse 7, at the top of page 99, as the Lord commanded Moses, and you don't need to follow me, but verse 21, verse 26, verse 29, verse 31, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now look at verse 32. So all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Over the page, verse 42. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. And then eight more times in chapter 40, you get the message. They say repetition is the mother of learning. What is the lesson God wants us to learn here? Quite simply this. Obedience matters to him. Doing just what he says. Just as the Lord commands. In all things, no matter how small. But you say it's just a tabernacle. It's just a tent. What's with all the furnishings and the dimensions and the fittings and the colorings? This is where the Lord himself is going to dwell. You have to flick through those magazines, ideal home, house and garden to know what lengths people will go to for their homes. This is God's home. Every detail matters. And when you think how this applies to us today, is God living in a tabernacle today? No, this was the under the old covenant. Where is God dwelling now under the new covenant because of the work of Jesus Christ? In here. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God makes his home in every Christian believer. So how do you think he feels about your and mine obedience now? In every area of our lives. Because he is with us all the time. Obedience matters. Can I ask, are you obeying him? Are you doing just as he commands? It is very challenging. I wonder how seriously we take this. Particularly in the Western church, when often our lives can look not much different to those outside the church. In his book, The Great Omission, Dallas Willard points out how many churches have mission statements that talk about mission and growth and flourishing. But how many mission statements have you read that say, we are going to obey all that the Lord commanded? Because that is Jesus' own mission statement at the end of Matthew's gospel. And what were some of the commands recorded in Matthew's gospel by Jesus? Do not lose it in anger. Do not look at anyone lustfully. 
How are you getting on with that? Do not worry. Do not lie, not even a small white lie. Do not covet. Are you obeying him? Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Fear God, not people. How seriously are we taking these commands? Because they all matter to God. Like you say, it's just a matter of interpretation. That was then, this is now. Actually, I think what Jesus means by this, the right way to apply this to me today, is just the twist. No, <laughs> if God says do it, do it. Doesn't matter how we think or feel about it. Sometimes I'll tell my children to do something. They don't fully understand why. Sometimes they think they know better than me. But I have, they're just children. I'm their dad. I want what's best for them. I know what's best for them. And despite their excuses, sometimes I just have to say, look, I'm dad. Do as you're told. How much more so would the almighty God of the universe, who knows each and every one of us perfectly, who loves us infinitely, knows best for us, wants best for us, if God says do it, do it. The Lord wants obedient hearts. Even if we don't fully understand it, agree with it, like it. Will you obey him? Now, at this point, you might be thinking, okay, right, I got it. God wants willing hearts and God wants obedient hearts. But how do you change your heart to want something you don't want? And how do we become more obedient when you and I find it very easy to be disobedient? Well, let's look, secondly, at the change God brings about. And really, this is a summary of the whole book of Exodus. And one of the key themes of the book has been knowing who the Lord is. Not just knowing him intellectually, knowing him personally, experientially. Remember chapter 6, verse 7, where this all started. I will take you as my own people and I'll be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The Lord wants us to know who he truly is. A God who provides a way out, an exodus for his people from terrible sin and suffering. A God who will always provide for his people just what they need, manna from heaven, water from the rock. A God who demands obedience, the Ten Commandments. A God who is holy and must punish sin, but a God who is gracious and forgives sin. And we know it ultimately today in Jesus' death for us. A God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, who forgives wickedness, rebellion and sin. A God, chapter 40. Verse 34, who dwells with his people as the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. A God 
chapter 40, verse 38, who is with his people during all their travels. This is who the Lord is, the Lord in all his glory. And it seems that finally the people see it. And it moves them to give to him after all he has done for them, to serve him. That's what they've been rescued for, to obey him. Not to be saved because they are saved, because he's holy, because that is what God wants. Perhaps earlier on in Exodus, you know, after the original being saved, perhaps they took it for granted. Thinking, well, we're God's people, of course, God will save me. But they are no better than the Egyptians. Just as sinful, need to be saved by grace. No longer now do they doubt God's love, his care, his provision. There's no more grumbling or complaining from them. Now they see God's holiness. So they're not turning to idols and making a golden calf. They worship the Lord as he has commanded. They know who God is, not just intellectually, but personally. It changes everything. So it is with us. How does change going to come about in our Christian life? Only by getting a clearer picture of who God is. Seeing who he is for us, seeing what he has done for us. Why is it we love money so much? Why is it we count it, hoard it, worry about it? And so you aren't spending or aren't generous with it. Is it not because of what we think money can give us? Happiness, status, security. Of course it doesn't, or only temporarily at best. But to have Jesus Christ in your life is to have all of these things. The joy of forgiveness, status, acceptance with God, security, a perfect new world to come, every spiritual blessing now, every physical blessing to come. And the more you see that and appreciate that and realize that, and realize how much God loves you, it will set you free from the love of money. You see how generous he's been to you, your heart will be more generous to others. Serving. Why are we reluctant to serve? Because we prefer to serve ourselves, serve our careers, serve other things. Why? Because of what they give us, because we think that will provide meaning and happiness. No, it's only in Jesus Christ that we have ultimate meaning and joy and happiness. And the more we see that in the way Jesus Christ has served us by dying on a cross in our place, the more that will set us free. Not to use our gifts to serve ourselves, but to use them to serve others. Why are we so disobedient? Take lying, one of the Ten Commandments. Why do we do it? Often because we care so much what others think. So we don't want to look bad in front of others. So we twist the truth about ourselves to make ourselves look better or put others down to make us look better compared to them. And we've yet to grasp that in Jesus Christ, we already have total acceptance from God. Complete forgiveness. And the more we see that and see how God views us, the less we will care about how others view us. And it will set us free. 
the stop line to be more obedient. And we could go on and there's lots of different examples. Do you see who the Lord is as he reveals himself to us in the book of Exodus? As we leave this series today, please, would you fix your eyes very firmly on the Lord Jesus Christ? the full and final revelation of who God is in all his glory and majesty and grace and compassion and slowness to anger and abounding in steadfast love and forgiveness and holiness. And the more you grasp that about God, the God who's living inside you, well, the more you will be set free to live free, to give to him, to serve him, to obey him. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you very much for all that you have shown us about yourself throughout the book of Exodus. Pray, Father God, wherever we're coming from today, that your spirit would open our eyes, open our hearts to see and receive you as you are in all your love and grace and compassion and holiness and forgiveness and allow that to change our hearts to be willing to give, willing to serve you, willing to obey. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.